Welcome to a new episode of Getting to the Truth in This Art. I'm your host, Rob Lee, and today I am joined by casting director, uh, casting recruiter for television, film, commercials, and digital media, Thea Washington. Thank you for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, um, a lot of um, much appreciated. Um, That was the most energy I actually started this podcast with, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up. So, um, I mean, we talked a little bit off mic, but for the purposes of this podcast, um, some of the questions may feel redundant, but answer them as much as you like. Um, so describe your connection to Baltimore, to Baltimore City. My connection to Baltimore City, it runs very, very deep. OK, so I feel like I'm most I'm as Baltimore as you can get because I'm the elements of the hood. I'm the elements of the private school, Baltimore. I'm the elements of the arts district. And, you know, I played basketball for Bentlow. I went to friend school. You and I went to city together. Um, And I I just feel like Baltimore is very, um, it's it's niche-based. It can be segregated, but I just feel like I kind of hang in all the different pockets and kind of bring Baltimore together. So I, I understand all the Baltimore experience. Like Baltimore has whatever you're looking for. If you're looking for drugs, it got that. If you're looking <laughs> for, you know, some art, some wire stuff. I mean, whatever you're looking for, it has it here. So I love my city. You know, I've worked everywhere in Baltimore. I've had every damn job you can think <laughs> of here. Um, so I have a personal, personal connection to the city and I love it so much, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. That's what we like to hear. Um, and it's like, it, there's a lot of like, um, I think like uh, Twitter responses, let's normalize this, let's normalize that. And the purpose of this podcast is, let's normalize Baltimore is just, it's a great city, it's unique, but it's no different than any other city and it should be treated as such. Yes. And I'm so, from the real Baltimore, not the gentrified, not the, you know, no offense to Molly and her dog jogging down North Avenue, but I'm from when North Avenue and Greenmount was like, it was, it was popping. Locking my car door, like that's where that's where I'm from around that way. It was funny because like when I I hang out in the art arts district, usually um, if we weren't COVIDed out, I would be at um, Big Improv. So I'm like recording and like like in the heart of East Baltimore, I'm like a few blocks away from uh, Hopkins Medical Center. Yeah, I'm like, yo, I grew up over here. <laughs> like, I'm just back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's get into your your career. You've got a career. You're like a person based on what your credentials are. It's like, huh? Should have reached out pre- previously, huh? <laughs> um, so how did you? Um, how would how did you get into being a casting director? How did you get into the? I guess the entertainment, the film, the television industry. Oh, that's a loaded question. Oh. Um, I feel like every single job I had, no matter how insignificant it may seem, it definitely played a part in this. Um, I was working for a brokerage firm in the beauty industry, and I had wanted to start a thrift store because I had what I did was I was in charge of um, when I was at the brokerage firm. I was hustling, it was a dream job, it was in the beauty industry. I was getting on planes like every three days, shout out to Miss Jermaine and all my old clients. But um, I would take brands um, to Walmart, to Target, to CVS and get them 
major distribution. And I just wasn't happy. Like I, it was one brand, Owen Handmade. Um, that was my big claim to fame at the time. And we got them into Target. And I just thought I was about to blow up and get all this money or whatever. And, you know, I didn't. Oh. Um, and it could be me being like trusting and not getting stuff, not on Oyen's part. Um, my boss is, well, she know what happened. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not gonna put that out there. But anyway, I um I just wasn't fulfilled. Let's just let me give you the PR answer. I wasn't fulfilled there. I wanted to start a thrift store, so I was really good at going to the goodwill and making stuff look fly for like nothing and people want to resell it. So I started reselling it. And um, this photographer was like, hey, can you, um, can we shoot some of your clothes? And then the same photographer was like, um, can you shoot these other clothes? And I was like, but they want my clothes. And I was ready like, you know, I'm not getting nothing out of this. But I didn't know that being a stylist was a job at the time. Right. And, um, you know, I became a stylist and that one of those shoots ended up in Vogue Italia. And, you know, I started doing commercials actually at City with Cam Newton. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, we, we shot there. They actually cracked on our school and said it looked like lean on me. But <laughs> we shot there. actually, I had two shoots in my professional career back at City. And um, I'm, I know I'm derailing off your question. No, you're good. You're good. You so Kofi from um, he was in a movie. It was called um, Really Love. I don't think it came out yet, but he um, he was there. Gazi Young, she's a makeup artist. And um, I was working with, um, oh my God, all these amazing people. And we were at City. Had no idea we had like a water bug problem. So Kofi, it was the guy, Mac, not Mac Miller, but something, Mac Wilds. Okay. And they had put their book bags down so they could go to the location and shoot. Because like yeah. City was our whole in space and, and they cracked on our school again. <laughs> Not Kofi, but the team. Yeah. He said nothing but great things. But he picked up his book bag, and I lied to you now, all these damn water bugs just started coming oh, out. Oh, no. And I was so damn embarrassed because I was just so excited to, you know, be shooting at my school, and I got my chest out, like, yeah, this is my high school. <laughs> you know, the the dude, the superintendent, uh, or the, the, the dude there, he was showing me love. He gave me a yearbook. He made me sign stuff. So I'm like, oh, probably, like, yeah, this is my <laughs> high school. And then we got motherfucking roaches or water bugs, whatever. No. Yeah. Um, it's not a good look. <laughs> not a good look at all. But anyway, I, um, I started as a stylist. Um, and then I, I, my friend Amy sent me something for a TV show because I was getting great checks, but they weren't consistent. And I wanted that consistent work. So it was a crime show. My friend Amy sent me the thing. Um, I got the I got the job. It wasn't easy because they were it, it was a mess. And I was grossly underpaid. I was styling. The casting director on that show quit. And I was like, oh, I do that all the time. I got that. <laughs> so I did casting, I did styling. Um, people weren't coming to work like the um, the grips, the sound guy and stuff like that because they weren't getting paid. Right. So I started like promising them that they would get paid and took over payroll. 
So I did all those jobs because I was trying to just extend the contract because I was part of that freelance life. And that was my first show, um, Copycat Killer. I still lived in Baltimore. It was in Georgetown. So I drove like two hours there, two <laughs> hours back. After being on um, location for like 14 hours, <sighs> it was rough. It was hard, um, but I did it. And um, I'm thinking like, okay, we finished season one. Now they're on like season 20. It comes on the real channel. But um, nice. yeah, so they basically grossly underpaid me. I'm, I, I don't even want to tell you how much it was, but I was just uh. so excited to do what I love full time. And I'm thinking like, I'm learning how to do shit on set. I'm learning terminology, you know, and it turned into a casting career. So um, from that, I got a whole bunch of different jobs, crime shows, commercials, things like that. That's really, really fucking cool. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's like it's like putting in that that work, putting in that effort, that that hustle, and kind of like I see what y'all doing. <laughs> I see what's happening here. I mean, um, you know, mine's is much more low rent, but the the version of it where you're not feeling fulfilled mm-hmm. that that definitely resonated with me. I was like 24 and I was burnt out. I was making like a lot of money. Um, I was a marketing analyst for Verizon. Oh, so I was like, um, um, no, no. Um, I was just like stationed and I would just go like regionally. So I was like in regional marketing and Mm -hmm. it was like, yeah, we have this new strategic initiative for Fios that we want you to head up. I was like, Sure, let's do it. And um, and I finessed it in such a way because I was working in DC, and I finessed it in such a way that instead of all of this marketing rotation nonsense, I was like, "Can we just get me in Hunt Valley? No one's there." And they said, "Yeah, sure." So I was living in Towson, and I was just like, "Yeah, this is a much better commute than getting up at like five forty-five, hopping on that train down to DC." So. But I remember it was my 24th birthday and I was just like, maybe 25th, but I think it was 24th. And I was just like drained. I was like, I'm stifled creatively here. I was able to do a few things that I kind of twisted into feeling a little bit more creative, but it was purely ROI. What are these numbers looking like? It was mostly analysis and sure, I did, you know, went to school for that and all of that, but it's like a much more, a more a multifaceted and in, in that and you know, that's what I was thinking at the time. Like I can do more and this is very, I can be replaced with a script. I can be replaced with code. And I was like, I need to do a little bit more. And uh, what'd you say? Where'd you go to school? Um, Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was in the inaugural uh, honors program on the degree school. I was the only male to complete. (laughs) So it was, um, and and it was cool. It was, I mean, it's kind of great and it's kind of sad at the same time. Yeah, uh, let's just put it this way. Um, it was a weird class that resulted in the most people losing their scholarships. And that's why most of the guys, it was like an AP bio class. And I'm like, we're business majors. See, that's why I, I just hate the whole academic like <laughs> configuration and structure. It's like people go to school because they feel like it's safe. And yep. New York Times did like a study on black males that come from different socioeconomic backgrounds and how hard it is for them, even with education, to get out of the wages of poverty. Like this whole mm-hmm. shit is set up for us. And one of my friends was having a, um, 
we were having a conversation and we went to Hampton or whatever. And she said that she feels like her Hampton makes workers for Harvard University students. And I was like, uh, damn, you're right. Mm. Because all of these different classes that we can't use in real life. They right. act like trade is a dirty word and it's so hard to get a plumber. So I kind of wish I would have went to school for plumbing. So I would have a dope side hustle. Always yeah. they, they charge a lot. Um, but it's like people are overeducated and underemployed. And I feel like that the economic and educational dream they're selling us is full bullshit and we buy into it and our parents force us into it and we're mm-hmm. forced into that because they don't know better because a lot of our parents didn't go to school and they're just, they want us to be better than them but they don't know that they're pushing us into the cycle of poverty and we don't get we we can't even like we basically it's, it's just don't get me started on this shit. I'll, I'll like i'll say pretty much what i learned in that first like five years of my career in, in marketing and Verizon specifically, I use a little of it now at this point to like do some of my stuff for like my podcast and all of that. But I pivoted in the last portion of my career. I've been in higher ed. You know, so I'm, I, I work as a data analyst for the registrar's office at Hopkins. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing that and the skills and obtaining that, all of that stuff. I didn't use any of the stuff that they tell you. These are the rules. I went into each interview like an asshole and I learned everything on my own. I was like, they have me doing this job that's there underpaying me. This job is, I'm better equipped to do something more than this job. And I was like, all right, how can I maneuver this time? How can I learn something to take me to another level? And in the last year, I like was promoted into like leadership with that 30% salary increase. So I was like, all right, this worked. Good. But I mean, I'm not saying that that's, I'm not saying it's a setup, but keep, keep doing your podcast. Keep, keep on this shit because they. It, whenever they, they, whenever it can be taken from you, I, I definitely get it. At the blink of an eye, like you said, like you could be replaced with a script of coding, like just keep your own thing that you have ownership over. Like, they teach us how to be workers, but don't teach us how to be entrepreneurs. And it's just, it's, they're setting us up for failure. And trade is not a dirty word. Like, I, if my son can go to Mervo and learn a trade, and that way he's in college, like, jamming off and doesn't have to be broke, you yeah. know? Like, I'm all for it. My, if he wants my, to go to trade school after high school, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> him to be able to sustain and support himself. People got these dumbass degrees like what, what you going to use that like right. like i have two two good friends um one like he went to morehouse didn't have the good experience he kind of ran into some of that hbcu bullshit that happens and he was just like i just got trades in it shit he's like i don't have a degree he's like i make 97 grand my See? other boy he See? does hvac and plumbing he's at almost 100 grand making money probably yeah. got his own house probably uh-huh. got his credit uh-huh. Love what he do, can always in demand. Because guess what? Everybody needs some goddamn air conditioning, <laughs> plumbing. Everybody got a toilet. <laughs> Everyone has an ass in the toilet. <laughs> Everybody got an ass in the toilet. Exactly. <laughs> and, and probably a couple of toilets. Okay? Yeah. So, I mean, I have three. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. They set us up for failure and they have us looking down 
on these jobs that are essential. Like somebody has to do them. And they like somebody, somebody's like, oh yeah, I'm going to school for film and I'm about to get my master's in, in film and some other shit. And it's like I done. <laughs> because by the time you fucking graduate, the technology is gonna be so different. Mm-hmm. Technology always changes. Everyone is different. I'm, I'm on set. One director likes shit that way. One director like that way. They like this certain software. They like that. Like you have to learn by just getting in the game. And a lot of people is on the sidelines or playing it safe. And I'm I'm for education, but I'm also for self education. Like you yeah. gotta, gotta have, nah. I mean, with the with the stuff that I do in podcasting, all of that stuff, all self taught. Like, you know, I know how to run boards. I know how to do a bunch of stuff when it comes to like audio engineering and things like that. And it all comes from just one simple standpoint, like how I'm a problem solver. So it's like, let me look this up and look at some tutorials and then I'm going to try some shit. I'm going to apply some shit, not just theory. As I wish they had YouTube and Google when we was in high school because I was a student. Like, there's no reason. And, um, let me tell, let me put you on game. Spotify, uh, Spotify is hiring um, black creators. Mm-hmm. They realize that number one, we're gonna get them, we're gonna get them the marketing dollars. We're gonna get them that advertisement. So you need to work on getting your numbers up, work on your page, put your money, your your good money you make in higher education, put that into promoting your podcast so you can get your numbers up. You know, reach out to local sponsors. Um, these all these local companies like Otterbein and Joe's Bike Shop, if you're getting $100, $50, you know, $500, $1,000 until your numbers get up there where you can demand tens and tens of thousands, you know, reach out, like call. Somebody's going to say yes, you know, like I can do a spot for you, you know, like offer advertisement on them and say, this is a Baltimore-based podcast. You're a Baltimore-based company and you know, I have a special start in and, you know, if you see your numbers or whatever, like do a coupon code. Yeah. Um, and what, what do you put your, your podcast on? Um, we're like, as far as what platform is on, mm-hmm. um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much Anchor? all the main ones. Are you using Anchor? Um, not using Anchor. I didn't care for Anchor. It was some Anchor issues. Pay off the bat. Okay. So check out Anchor again. Okay. Check out Anchor because they don't care um, how big your following is off off top. Yeah. They will, you know, you can monetize it, but also do do the work to get people to know about it. Um, okay. Take your daytime money and make that your, you know, invest into your side hustle, invest into yourself. Because guess what? That that job they're not investing in you. They they no. make you happy. <laughs> they they keeping you happy so you stay there a little longer and they might give you another raise, make you stay there a little longer and sit off on your dreams. But you know, that's, investing yourself. See, here's and, that, and that's the thing. It's, it's funny. Like I want to go back into the questions real quick, because that's like you've answered two of the other questions I had later in. It's like, yo, give me some jewels, drop some jewels, and you've dropped like a couple of them. Mainly okay. investing yourself. That's a that's a thing. And I think people miss out on it because we're chasing this idea. We're chasing this idea of, you know, I go to go to this job, do this, do that. On my way to the money, it's like, mm, what's driving you? What's your passion? Right. Um, so in 
your passion. Uh, <laughs> uh, where, um, how do you identify talent? How do I identify talent? Um, shit. Uh, I don't know. Like, you have a good radio voice. That's the first thing I said to you is, are you doing voiceover work? Send me your stuff. And I meet people a lot. Like, I, I'm like a introvert, extrovert. Like, I love people. I like, during this time, I still needed to get out and be amongst my friends safely. Because um, I, I, I like good energy. I like talking to people. Also, I like to be closed off from people. But, um, you know, I'm in a lot of different spaces and, and networks. So, you know, people might hit me up on Facebook, um, Washington Casting on Facebook and tell me, you know, whatever. And I post my stuff on a different, um, the different uh, websites. Yeah. Actors, um, but a lot of my actors, like Tim from high school, uh, I put him in a ton of shit and he's awesome and they love him. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I reach from, you know, my own network, I guess, and, and other stuff. It just seems like you can tell. You just like, I just know it. I mean, it's just, it's just that. It's just like, all right, yeah, you got something <laughs> going on there. It's like, nah, not you, not you. It's like, but I'm great. Like, not you, <laughs> not you. Um, I mean, also, it depends on what the client wants. Sure. Like, I have, um, I have a couple of projects that are coming up, and one of them, they want somebody that's older, um, that wants to do something brand new. And I have another client that. Um, they want guys that have um, beards and, and hair because they're they want to shave their hair and do all that stuff. Um, so it just depends. Like I, like for instance, when I did Bachelorette, um, Eric Bigger, I think he went to City as well. It sounds familiar. Yeah, sounds like a familiar name. But you know, he knows that I didn't know. I, I never thought that he would get that far. Right. Because um, I thought he was cool. He was dope. He had good energy. But I had no idea he'd be the top three on Bachelorette. So sometimes I don't know. And like the people that I'm like, oh my God, you're going to love him. He's going to be amazing. Like, no. <laughs> like, uh, trash. Get him out of here. Um, so kind of in that same vein, um, what, have, has there been a situation where you've you've worked with someone, you've identified someone, and they were right for the part, but not necessarily right for the cast? Right for the part, but not... Oh, like assholes? Thank you, yes. <laughs> oh, you, you guys talk um, regular to me because I'm figuring it out all the time because you're trying to hint it. Okay, so yes, assholes, I, I quickly invite them to leave um, and I check up on my sets. Like I'm, I'm a small business mm-hmm. and I take... My, my job very seriously. So these actors, they represent me. I don't care if it's their first time acting. You know, I call them, we have a chat on what I expect, what they're supposed to do. And from there, it's like, okay, I send you. But I also check with my client. I check with the production team to make sure nobody's an asshole. And if like 10 people tell me you're an asshole, I'm probably gonna believe them and you probably won't work with me again. You'll work again, but just not with me. Um, sure. So I have a no asshole policy. Um, I actually have a long thing that I send actors like, do not direct the director. Don't, um, you know, we're all on the same project. So don't try to make somebody else uh, feel small. Because I know back in the day, um, people used to be like, yeah, when I was on House of Cards. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's every actor's favorite line because that probably was their biggest moment. And that's great. But don't make somebody else feel small because if we really want to talk about it, you were in a crowd and we're playing Where's Waldo to find you. So, yeah. Nah. I kind of, I like that. I... (laughs) It's just and we were playing words like you were out there like did you have any lines oh just indistinct murmurs all right cool or or like if they don't like how craft crafty or craft service which is like when they have the food set up for everyone yeah yeah so when i was on house of cards the craft service was amazing you're not on house of cards right now so <laughs> i don't want to hear nothing like you here so enjoy what we did for you we did the best we could you know, sometimes it's amazing and sometimes right. it's just, you know, just with the budget helps. So yeah. that's that's factual. Um, so I got one more question of these kind of real questions, and I got just some rapid fire kind of one, two word answer, Baltimore related questions, and then right. I'll give you back the rest of your Friday. Right. Um so in terms of so so you work like regionally, you're like Baltimore, DC kind of in the in the I'm area. Everything. I'm like I kind of view myself as a big fish in a small pond. Although I get shows that are national, like, you know, your Bachelorettes, your Temptation Island, your whatever. Um, but when movies come to town, yeah. I, I'm the person that I want them to call. Um, and sometimes they do call me and sometimes they find out about them too late because, um, you know, for whatever reason. Because usually they go with the, I hate to keep bringing up House of Cards, they go with the same House of Cards crew. And it's this guy who, he's an asshole. He tries to like block me out of all the stuff, but he does cast. They they get this guy. I'm just being frank. Yeah, yeah. They get this guy who is like, he's kind of like your average um, racist white dude, but he's racist <laughs> and, and discriminating. Like he's horrible to everybody, but they get him on black projects. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what? Mm. And I have wrote when um, the 12 O'Clock Boys movie came to town, it was a Jada Pinkett Smith production. Yeah. And I was just so excited. I was like, oh my God. I wrote them the most beautiful letter. Like, I'm from Baltimore City, born and raised. I love this place. I love The Wire. I was blessed to work with um, Mr. Pelicanos on two projects. And he was the writer for The Wire from season four to six and created the deuce. I said, I know our accents. I know the difference between a Carlton Banks and a Tupac. <laughs> I, I would love to cast on any level from the background, the leads, whatever you guys need. I'm excited about this project. I'm familiar with the 12 o'clock boys. I watched their special on Showtime. Like, I'm just so excited. So I wrote them this beautiful letter. I get a call like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hi, it's Bill. I'm not gonna help you. And he's like, yeah, it's Bill. I know who you are. I think we uh, we talked before, but um, yeah, I um, I'm working on a movie. They gave me your information, and I'm doing the casting. So he basically like picked my brain, um, which I hate the term, and I I just. Ugh. But anyway, he was like, yeah, and I just want you to know that you know these are these are drug dealers and gangsters. And it's going to be a lot of weed smoke and they hate the police. And, um, and this is a true story. Like I, I don't have to like not say his name or whatever, but he said, they hate the police. Your car might get broken into, are you afraid of Baltimore? And I'm like, 
I'm, my mouth is just like open. And he's like, yeah, we're going to have to do a whole bunch of um, overcasting because African-Americans, they don't have two forms of ID usually. So, uh, wow. Yes. And he was like, um, like he said all these things. So I was just like, what the fuck? Like, right. And I told him what my rate was and he was trying to pay me a quarter of that. And I also was on a lot of projects because I'm not going to set every day for a mm-hmm. quarter of my rate. Um, so I referred to other people. I gave him my plan. Like he kept picking my brain. Like, how would you do this? How would you do that? He did all that shit. Didn't hire me. And he did the open call where I suggested he should. And so I rolled up on him. I was like, hey, how you doing, Bill? I'm Theo Washington, African-American. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. whatever. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward, he ended up meeting me mm-hmm. because, you know, he a white guy. Not saying that white guys don't know beauty or whatever, but I know, like, what a bad chick looks like. So I, he hired me to cast the bad chicks for the scene. And, um, you know, he had to end up coming back. And I was like, I want my credit. I want you to pay me this amount. You know, I want my people to be paid the same day, blah, blah, blah. So to do, he ended up crediting me as an actress, which was some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to like give him my ID, you know, for payment, cause you know, you have to process it. I ended up giving him a, a expired pass for it. So <laughs> I proved his little thing right. I was so mad and so embarrassed. But, um, yeah, it, it's just horrible that they hire people who don't love our people. And then I found out he also blocked me on um, Wonder Woman. My old assistant told me that. And I was like, damn, he told them I wasn't available. So my goal is to <laughs> you know, do as much as I can to get my name out there. And I like to be low key behind the scenes, but when it comes for these major projects, that's not, you know, like all my, all my work is word of mouth really. Sure. Um, and recommendations on people that are happy with my service and then they hire me again and again or they refer me to someone. So I'm just like, damn, I just got to hop out there a little more. So that's what I'm going to do. And um, I'm coming. Bill, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. Now. <laughs> um, that, that's that's great. It's um, and, and I think that's in part like what the purpose of this podcast is as well and having people who are entrepreneurs who are talented, who are doing their thing. And it's like, if I can get maybe a couple people hitting you up for like whatever reason and you can do business with them. And I feel like this was successful. Um, so now we'll get into this, these rapid fire questions. Okay. All right. Favorite snowball flavor. Oh, egg custard with extra marshmallow. You're such a Baltimorean. <laughs> uh, I, I've been on this recent uh, egg custard and like coconut combo. Shit is fire. Mm, I don't know. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm loyal. I'm it's, it's fire. I, I don't like. I don't like the marshmallows, but the 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 coconut is fire. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I guess. Um, let's see. Favorite Baltimore landmark. Uh, the pagoda in Patterson Park. That's part of my walking path every morning. I, I'm like not too far from it. It's like all right, hit that, and then that's the other. You can go back the other way. That's the the end of my route for the first oh, half. So that's important to me because um, on my first date with my boyfriend, 
he was like, yeah, I want to meet you at the, I'm going to take you to a concert in front of the pagoda. And, um, you know, took me to a restaurant and then we were going to finish there. So uh, my boyfriend is actually white. So mm. I always joke that I've seen, even, even going to friends and all that stuff like that, he showed me different stuff. So when he said that, I texted my homegirl, like, what the fuck is a pagoda? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> what, what the hell is a pagoda? But uh, yeah, so I love the pagoda. That's my favorite because of that. I briefly had that moment. And then when you said Patterson Park, I was like, all right, structure, boom. I know where that's at. Yeah. Uh, flats or drums? Oh, all flats. If I, you know, I paid it. Shame. All flats. I'm not, Shame. I'm drums? Nah. Always drums. Like, you know, it's just easy. It's like a microphone. Um, it works. <laughs> Those flats, you commoners with your flats. I, I, I don't know what to say. No, I need my flats. I need them. Now, this is the most probably divisive question of the, and this is the last question, but most divisive, I think. Who has the best crab cakes in Baltimore? Who? See? Divisive, divisive. I'm going to have to go with Coco's on Harper Road. You're the second person who said that. My, my man from um, No Picks After Dark, he was like, yo, I don't know what you're doing. Why have you not been there yet? They're fire. Yes. So I'll, I'll count that as a recommendation. I'm going to have to go with Coco's. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. That's good. That, that works. Um, so now we'll, we'll wrap up his opportunity, shameless plug, whatever you want to plug, whatever you got coming up, whatever you're casting for, do your thing. Okay. Well, I am Thea Washington and I cast the best in reality uh true crime <laughs> commercials and things like that if you have a budget holla at me if you're an up-and-coming actor feel free to email me at cast c-a-s-t by thea at gmail.com send me four to six photos that look like you send me your name your location your email your age and um your phone number so i can contact you if i feel like you might be a fit for it do not send me any over Photoshop pictures, no booty pictures, no dixtures. Um, nice. They will be rejected. And um, yeah, and y'all can follow me on uh, Instagram at Thea Washington Casting. Um, right over your shoulder. <laughs> bam. <laughs> or you can um, holler at me on my page on Facebook if you, you know, 35 and over. You can go to uh, Washington Casting, and I post a lot of different castings from me and my colleagues. So, yeah. Well, that's pretty much it. So I, I want to sign off real quick, actually. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Um, this has been me. City Forever. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, this has been getting to the truth in this art, and um, there's art all around us. You just have to look for it.